Hello and welcome to the ESPN F1 podcast for a look at the first talking point, the first major talking point of the Formula One 2020 season. An explosive political statement on Wednesday from seven of Ferrari's rival teams regarding a rather curious statement that we got at the end of last week that we actually mentioned in our pre-season wrap-up on Friday. About 11 minutes from the end of the final day, in our inboxes, an FIA statement dropped. Now that statement said that the FIA, which is motor racing's governing body, had reached a settlement with Ferrari regarding its power unit. Now its its power unit or its engine had been quite controversial in 2019. Rival teams had raised questions about its legality at certain points. Now the statement never said that Ferrari had been found guilty of anything. It also never said that Ferrari was being punished about anything. But it left more questions than it did answers. The biggest question that statement raised was how the teams were going to respond, and on Wednesday we found out seven of the ten teams, the teams not supplied by a Ferrari engine, so Mercedes, McLaren, Williams, Renault, Red Bull, Alpha Tauri, released the following statement. The statement said the teams were surprised and shocked by the FIA statement of February 28th of February regarding the conclusion of its investigation into the Scuderia Ferrari Formula One power unit. An international sporting regulator has the responsibility to act with the highest standards of governance, integrity and transparency. After months of investigations that were undertaken by the FIA only following queries raised by other teams, we strongly object to the FIA reaching a confidential settlement agreement with Ferrari to conclude this matter. Thereby, we hereby state publicly our shared commitment to pursue full and proper disclosure in this matter to ensure that our sport treats all competitors fairly and equally. We do so on behalf of the fans, the participants and the stakeholders of Formula One. In addition, we reserve our right to seek legal redress within the FIA's due process and before the competent courts. So that's the statement in full from the seven teams we got on Wednesday. I'm Nate Saunders, and as ever, joining me is my ESPN colleague, Lawrence Edmondson. He's been writing quite a bit on this over the last few days. So we're going to take you through exactly what this means. Lawrence, before we really pick apart the bits about you know, legal proceedings and open, uh, open and transparent um, things going forward, let's talk about what was going on last year and specifically the questions that were raised about Ferrari's power unit, um, their engine last year and what the whole chat in the paddock was about. OK, so taking it back to last year, uh, hopefully briefly, um, Ferrari is quite clear early in the season that they had a power advantage over the other teams. Now that is not, you know, it's not that unusual. Teams do obviously work very hard to create as much power as they can from their engine. But the strange thing was is that it kind of come at a time when the regulations are fairly stable. No one was expecting huge gains, yet Ferrari had clearly made one. So the other teams were a little bit suspicious about it um, and they started to uh, look into it and maybe kind of, you know, suggest to the media that uh, something might be a little bit strange there. Um, there were GPS traces doing the round. Uh, when I say GPS traces, I mean basically they monitor the acceleration and the top speed of all cars and they could see that the Ferrari was accelerating in such a way that it clearly had a good deal of power. The other slightly strange thing was that um, it was a significant advantage in qualifying. So it looked like it could only uh, sustain this for relatively short periods of time, but then it would still have an advantage over else. But when it was really powerful... It was in qualifying. Now, not unusual. Teams have had what they call party modes for some time. But it was um, it was clearly something to look into. So the teams, uh, as they kind of started to get more suspicious and started to gain what they believe was an understanding of it, um, they uh, they came up with a number of theories. Uh, one was that the intercooler, which uh, is there to cool the air that goes into the turbo, was leaking some kind of oil into the combustion chamber, which is obviously where you get the explosion from the petrol and the oxygen. And um, and they believed that that was adding a little bit of extra energy, calorific value into that combustion. And as a result, 
the car was uh, gaining more power. Now, we have strict rules on oil burn uh, from the engine, uh, and the FIA quickly said that would also be illegal. Uh, we then got to the point where um, Red Bull flagged a, uh, a concern they had that maybe other teams, if they were to get a power advantage, they might be able to in some way interfere with the fuel flow sensor. I have to get a bit techy here, but the fuel flow sensor exists to monitor the amount of fuel going to uh, the engine. Under the regulations we have, you're only allowed to send 100 kilograms per hour um, as your maximum flow rate to the combustion chamber. If you found a way to interfere with that sensor, you could send more. If you found a way to... Uh, the sensor works on a frequency, so if you found a way to work around that, you could send more. So Red Bull put this to the FIA and said, would it be legal if someone did that? FIA turned around and said, well, of course it wouldn't. Um, and so the other teams were hoping that by having these clarifications come from the FIA, we would see uh, some impact on Ferrari's performance level, which would indicate they either were doing something or weren't doing something. Um, but it was kind of inconclusive. There was a little bit, but it could have been a number of factors. Ferrari pointed out changes of downforce levels, drag, which also have a big impact on top speed and acceleration. And so it was a pretty... Uh, inconclusive ends of the year in terms of what Ferrari were doing with their power unit other than they had had an advantage for the majority of the year. The other final thing which I will note that happened at the end of last year uh, was after the Brazilian Grand Prix the FIA took hold of Ferrari's fuel system uh, to carry out investigations. Again, not massively unusual. They do do that. They're within their rights to do that. Um, But after that investigation, very soon afterwards within I think about three days or so they issued a statement saying that from 2020 a second fuel flow sensor would be introduced uh, to make double sure, essentially, that uh, no team is uh, is going beyond the 100 kilograms uh, an hour. So that's where we were left at the end of last year. And no one was particularly satisfied, but equally, I think, uh, because there was no proof that Ferrari had done anything wrong and uh, the FI had investigated and Ferrari had come out at the end of the year and said, look, we were investigated pretty much more than anyone else, yet no one found anything wrong, it kind of was let to drop. I mean, the other teams, let's be honest, they hadn't forgot about it. They were very wary of what would happen this year. But for all intents and purposes, it kind of gone. What we didn't know was this investigation from the FIA over the winter. And let's point out that the settlement that was raised isn't an admission or a declaration of guilt on Ferrari's part. That was that was very clear in the statement that was made. It was a they've obviously discussed the matter. They've obviously come to to some sort of final agreement with them. But I think it was very easy to read that. And think, oh, okay, they must have been found guilty, but that's not that's not the case. It's it's a it's an agreement, and the problem is is the I guess the lack of clarity in exactly what the settlement is. No, but I think it's quite easy to infer. I'm not saying this is the case, but it's quite easy to come to the conclusion that if the FIA and Ferrari were to reach an agreement, there would be a reason that they reached an agreement. Mm-hmm. If the FIA had believed that the Ferrari power unit was completely and utterly uh, squeaky clean, then why would Ferrari come to an agreement with the FIA? Yeah, we wouldn't, need, we it, wouldn't need a They wouldn't we? need to, right? Mm. If, there, if there was this grey area and the FIA suspected something but couldn't prove it and Ferrari was saying, well, it's legal, but maybe couldn't prove 100% that it's legal either. Again, don't know that for certain, but it's a possibility. If they reached that conclusion, then there would be a number... Well, there'd basically be two options available to the FIA. They could maybe take this to court and, uh, and they could try and prove in a court of law that... Um, uh, to completely kind of get a final answer on it, that if they have suspicions, this is what it is. But in doing that, you would uh, create a huge story. I know we have a huge story today. Anyway, we create a huge story. It would be very expensive, and um, it would uh, create a lot of issues potentially for the FIA, which 
probably would have had no guarantee of winning. Ferrari is a very wealthy and uh, kind of well-equipped company, so it's um, it's hard to know whether the FIA would have been able to, um, to to find them on that. So if the FIA had some doubt that, that that wouldn't have benefited anyone, and if Ferrari felt that, you know, obviously they wouldn't have wanted to go to court over this, it doesn't look good for them, uh, then that's what the only kind of situation I can think of right now uh, without knowing the details of the agreement where you might reach a settlement as a result. Not saying that is the case, mm, yeah, but, that's but, one, but that's one option. But it's something yeah. you could infer from from the statement. And looking at it from a PR perspective, before we start talking about the team's reaction, there's often been a running joke that FIA stood for Ferrari International Assistance. Now, that was, when I was growing up, that was kind of the joke that was always made in the Schumacher era. I think a lot of the a lot of the time, things like this image is as important as the context of what is in a statement. I had a very, I, I think I've mentioned this to you. I had a very dark spell working in the dark arts of PR before I joined ESPN. And the one, the best bit of advice I ever got on writing press releases was never send out a press release that creates more questions than answers. And this very much did that. And also with everything that we mentioned at the, the very beginning of the podcast, the timing of it, there was no right of reply from the teams or f- from anyone like that. It's just created this this real air of confusion, but also somehow there's something deeper going on here. And I think that a lot of teams, that's that's kind of at the bedrock of their statement, is saying, we want it to be transparent. I don't think any of them are necessarily coming out and saying, we think Ferrari was cheating. I think that the, the first thing they raise is, we don't like the lack of transparency here. We don't like that Ferrari have kind of got this pass to have this quick statement released, and then that's that. Because I don't know if other teams would have had the same treatment of them. You mentioned Ferrari having quite a lot of money, you know, the lawyers to pay for it. If this has been Haas, if this had been Alfa Romeo, I'm not sure how the same treatment would have come down. The other thing you've got to understand with why the other teams are taking this incredibly seriously is that the uh, money they receive from Formula One is related to their championship position. Now, again, we're not saying that the Ferrari was illegal. We're not saying that the uh, that its results should be ripped up. But without any transparency on why, why this agreement is the thing they came to, then, um, then you know, there has to be a question asked of like, well, wait a minute, it, uh, are Ferrari's results, um, are, are they still valid? Because until we know exactly what this agreement was about, we don't have any clarity on that. Now, no one is saying that. No one is saying that Ferrari should be chucked out of the championship at this stage, but we need to know what, uh, what was in this agreement, why this agreement was reached, and why it's been uh, shrouded with such secrecy. I think part of it, and if you were to look at it from um, a Ferrari point of view, obviously you have intellectual property, there's a lot of technology in that engine, and uh, and perhaps you know there's elements that aren't allowed to be put out there because, one, they haven't been found guilty of anything, so they don't need to kind of expose any of that, and it's intellectual property they've invested in. So why should uh, why should that all be kind of put out in the open? But I think really what the teams are looking for is, is not even that. It's more of an explanation, and as you say, the statement that was put out by the FIA didn't offer um, the, a satisfactory explanation of what had happened and uh, where where they got to and how they come to that conclusion. Yeah, and I think um, from talking to members at teams, we've both done that this week. That was the main thing of just sort of well, what what on earth does this mean? Not just for Ferrari, but going forward into the new season and coming at such a crucial time. You know, everyone's talking about Melbourne and the, the flyaways for other reasons, but it gives a this is going to run through the first three races, which brings me to, I guess, the most important point from this podcast is what does happen next here? You know, what is the what is the process that teams can follow? And what do we think the initial response from, or when do we think the initial response from Ferrari and the FAA will come? Well, I think we're in 
pretty unprecedented territory uh, in some regard because I can't remember an example exactly like this where uh, where the teams have, have demanded a bit more transparency on a, on a specific statement. Um, as far as I know, there is nothing in the FIA's regulations that covers this, I don't think, um, but the teams very clearly, but the fact that they retain the right to uh, take uh, legal action to get more information. So I guess that is the, uh, that's almost like the nuclear option, that's where they can go to if, if they want to. Um, I think they would probably rather some kind of uh, another agreement was reached whereby um, they got a little bit more information uh, from the FIA on, on what happened. But it really is a case of, of watch the space. But I don't think these questions were going to go away and slip away. And I, I think probably the uh, the response from the rival teams was inevitable. Um, so I should imagine the FIA have thought about this already and, and possibly have an answer. And who knows? We may end up in a situation where it can all be explained quite easily but then I suppose the question is, well, why didn't you explain it in the well, first place? And this is one of the main concerns from the, the other teams, is that this complete lack of transparency. And from a governing body um, in the world we currently live in and with the money that's thrown at Formula One, it's so out of whack with um, with what you would expect from the governing body of a sport. I think that is the craziest point of this, is that it was just, when we left, I mean, we were puzzled by it, we talked about it on the podcast, and I remember we even said when we were recording that, we can't really talk about it because there were so many questions about it. So you can only imagine what the teams thought when they when they landed. Some of them would have already been on their flights going back. Um, pretty unprecedented, as you said, to start the season this way. The, I suppose the FIA could argue that they didn't want anything public being dragged. You know, F1 being dragged through the mud in public. The teams would argue, well, the fact that we don't know if a team, you know, had overstepped the mark or not, is dragging F1 through the mud. And now the fact that they're potentially getting away with something would do that as well and I guess that's the that's the issue we get to now is one side is both sides are basically going to argue that they're doing the right thing for Formula 1 they're doing the right thing for the sport when I would agree with the seven teams I think that we need to know what that statement was otherwise you know going forward how are you going to trust any decisions that are made from that point on yeah that, that's true I mean it's it's the it's the same people in charge at Ferrari the same people in charge at the FAA if if um it's considered an acceptable way to kind of come to the end of investigations to create private settlements with teams, then I think it creates a very dangerous precedent uh, that and probably other teams would expect uh, to be uh, to, to be given the favour as well. So, you know, it, it, the problem is is that we, it's clear that the FI didn't have enough evidence within its own structure to, um, to I mean, I would like to think that anyway. I'd like to trust mm. the FI in that mm. regard, that they didn't have enough information to be able to throw the book at Ferrari initially. So there's more to this than uh, than the, the maybe is you know maybe some kind of people on Twitter and so on are suggesting. Mm. You know, Ferrari are kind of innocent until proven guilty. But I, I think it's it's the lack of transparency that um, that is the biggest concern. And uh, as the teams pointed out in the statement, you know that then brings the integrity of the FI in, into question. And uh, if they have an answer for that, great. But if they don't, um, then uh, it really does affect the way that F1 is. Uh, manage going forward. So there we have it. That's the first talking point of the year, really, from a political perspective and a pretty uh, explosive one. And I think that's going to run all the way to Melbourne, probably through the first flyaway races. We'll be hearing from team members next week. Lawrence, you're flying out um, on Friday this week, I believe. That's right. Yeah, again, they're nice and early. Uh, allow my body clock to acclimatise. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's always an exciting time of the season, and I think yeah, with everything that's going on at the moment, it's uh, a lot to talk about. And um, you will be stopping by the studio for one last podcast that we're doing. We're doing that on Friday, so the sixth. 
we have our as planned we have our pre-season super show where um i guess we're making a bunch of bold predictions putting our necks on the line and we don't always do the best job of that i think last year i was about 50 percent were correct the main 50 percent were wrong i think you did better than me um but that will be our last show until the sunday uh with the following Sunday, which is the Australian Grand Prix, Lawrence will be joining us from Melbourne, so make sure you find a good place with some good phone connection, uh, and we'll be picking through that race, and I'm pretty excited about it. From, from We'll actually have something on track to talk about, which is, is quite a rarity this season. Please do keep checking back with us on ESPN, and um, yeah, look forward to, uh, to you listening to us again.